Hey everybody, I am your host, Tom the Suit Forest. Uh, many of you know me from Connecticut. I'm a Blues Hall of Famer uh, in Connecticut and also in New York. I've uh, been doing this show now for several years, have a bunch of great artists and people behind the scenes that have had something to do with the beautiful palace in Waterbury. Uh, today we have our great sponsor with us, uh, Ion Bank, and you'll be hearing a little bit about them in the middle of the show. Today I'm very excited. This, this is different for me. We usually do talk about people behind the scenes, talk to them. Uh, a lot of rock groups, that kind of thing. But today we have an, an exciting American conductor. And I have been practicing offline here to say his name correctly. I'm going to try it. And then you can, you can correct me when I say it wrong. Okay, here we go. Okay. It's Leif Bialand. Perfect. Ah, oh, thank you so much. All right. Bravo. How you doing, Leif? I'm great. How are you doing, Tom? I'm. You know what? I'm. I'm great. The it's a little cold in New England today, but um, the trees are uh, budding, and you can uh, it's light until eight o'clock. So that's great. So yeah. first of all, I I noticed that you must live on the West Coast. I think you live in San Francisco. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> poor Leaf. We were going to do. Um, an interview and i was saying oh you know let's do 10 11 o'clock and it was like you know in the morning for him so uh, i appreciate you uh still getting no, no, up no. early no 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 it's fine it's just you know the, the difference between if we're talking about radio the difference is between my voice like this and my voice like that <laughs> so so if you want to if you want me to sound like like a horror movie guy then just call me up at 7 in the morning. I sound perfectly like that. All right. Well, expect my call tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'll look, for, I'll look forward to that. So I, I did some research on you, and I was astounded by your, your background. I mean, you have played, you have performed at so many cities across the United States. And I'm just... Uh, just to name a few, of course, uh, you were in Waterbury because, and we'll mm -hmm. talk about that in a minute. But I've seen Las Vegas, uh, Seattle, Louisville, uh, of course, New York City, uh, Chicago, and that's just to name a few of symphony orchestras. Um, you've you've worked with ballet companies. Uh, what a background! And and if you're currently uh, art artistic advisor to the Southwest Florida Symphony Orchestra for the last couple of seasons. And you are Waterbury's, uh, you uh, direct uh, the Waterbury Symphony. And you've been doing that for what, 20 years? Uh, let's see, 27? Yeah, I, it, was, it was like my first big job. Um, and uh, it just turns out, yeah, yeah, Tom, you probably know, some... You get jobs, you leave jobs, you get jobs, and, and it to, to be at a job for a long time means a couple of things. One, it means you really enjoy what you're doing there, and the other thing is the, the people there enjoy what you're doing. Uh, so and I've been really blessed with Waterbury and also uh, kind of encouraged over the years by the trajectory of, of Waterbury. And when I, when I got there in the, in the 90s, uh, mid-90s, Waterbury was was all about the fact that the, the, the brass mills were closed, 
and it was you know it was it was just a, a, a tough time for the city yeah and and uh, what I see over the last couple of decades is a really hopeful trajectory for the city that that uh, inv involves the restoration of the palace uh, getting uh, Yukon downtown, right. Post, right? Lots of lots of great stuff for for Waterbury, and um, I, I, I see the orchestra as, as kind of an outgrowth of, of that upward trajectory. And it seems like uh, a lot of local interest. My understanding is the last time you performed there, um, you had over two thousand uh, uh, attend. Is that correct? Uh, actually, two thousand three hundred and fifty. Oh, okay, <laughs> but who's give or take? But who's okay. counting? So, <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, yeah, who's counting? Well, uh, I, the thing—the thing that's amazing about that is that uh, we're talking about the largest crowd in the palace since COVID, for sure. Yeah, and and also one of the largest uh, crowds in the palace for a while, uh, even before COVID. And uh, that's the power of, of a film like uh, Wizard of Oz. And also, spring, um, we seem to be doing a good job of dodging the COVID numbers. You know, like the COVID numbers go down, we do a show, and then the COVID numbers go up, and then the COVID numbers go down, and we do another show. So we've been pretty lucky in that regard. But I, I, I just see the whole, that, that whole event, that whole Wizard of Oz, phenomenon is kind of an outgrowth of the rebirth not only after covid but but a kind of rebirth of uh of waterbury in general and and just seeing the diversity of people there uh was really heartening uh it really looked like the city of waterbury it looked like the populace looked like the vibe and um it was a tremendously thrilling and uh life-affirming event well, you know, of people who don't know, it, it, the palace approximately holds 2,600 people. So you basically could say that you had a sellout for that event. Pretty much. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm sure there were some, uh, you know, nosebleed seats way up in the in the second balcony that were not filled. But yeah. it felt really, it felt really, really full. And uh, it, it's, the, the thing is, you know, we basically, basically the format was, the, the movie The Wizard of Oz, the 1939 classic, uh, was was uh, shown on a, a gigantic screen, you know, over the proscenium of the palace, uh, which which began its life as a movie house, right? Yeah. And and uh, so so I, all these people, these 2,350 or so people, were watching this film uh, made like 85 years ago. Right. And, and uh, the orchestra, what's cool about The Wizard of Oz is it's one of the first films that was done with uh, audio tracks, separate audio tracks embedded, embedded in the film. So, you know, d d Dorothy singing the Wizard, uh, Over the Rainbow, uh, the, the, the clank, clank, clank of the Tin Man dance, you know, these are all on separate tracks. And so it's possible to... Uh, surgically remove the the orchestra underscoring and, and accompanying track right right and and provide that live in real time at the show so so what was super cool is we were doing the uh, the tornado sequence and which is really it's all about the orchestra you know D dorothy's up in the tornado and 
and she sees a bunch, couple of guys in a rowboat, and then she sees an old lady in a rocking chair, and then there's a bunch of chickens, and then of course she sees Miss Gulch, who <laughs> turns into the to the Wicked Witch of the East, uh, and uh, so the orchestra is playing like a house on fire, and uh, it, it's it's also just barely playable. Yeah, yeah, the tempo is so fast, you know, you, the, the speed of the music is so fast because the tornado is, you know, fast. Yeah. That, that, that you just barely can play the notes. It's really, it's, really, it's really on the point of just barely doing it. And then the, the, the house lands in Oz with a thump, and the orchestra stops with a thump. And the whole audience burst into applause, which I thought was pretty cool. I mean, not the sort of thing that happens in a in a movie normally. Uh, usually, you're just kind of passive. But the thing is, it was it was really like the, everything but the kitchen sink is is thrown out, sonically speaking, and uh, and and then it all just stops incredibly abruptly, and then the audience just went crazy. It was wonderful. <laughs> that. That sounds amazing, and I'm sure the stress was on you to make sure that not only are you directing uh, an orchestra, but you're you're watching the film. I'm assuming. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, um, it the way the, the, there are different systems. Uh, there, there's there's don't need to go into it, but this particular system of coordinating the movie involves a stopwatch, a very large stopwatch that's on a video screen. And you you start at a certain time, and um, and then you're supposed to hopefully end at a certain time. <laughs> but 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 you can go you, you can check yourself uh, periodically. Okay, at this point in the music, I should be at this point on the stopwatch. And so you can kind of, as, as long as you're within a second or so of that, you're okay. The the scary bit is when you know orchestras. There, you know, it's not like like a a small like boat that you would you you'd go water skiing in. It's like a big ship, <laughs> and so a, a big ship takes a long time to turn or stop or do anything because there's a there's an element of inertia, you know, or or you, you just the the what's traveling continues to travel until it hits something to stop it. So, so the, the, the real trick with movies is, is just make, anticipating where the orchestra is going to probably slow down and preventing them from doing it and, and making sure that the whole thing keeps going. And uh, you're, you, you had earlier, said earlier it was a little stressful. It is a bit stressful, but, but uh, when, it, when it works right, it's just like, wow, you know, you just did a swoosh, you know, in the basketball court and did a three-pointer and, and then you go and then you go on and say okay that was done now let's do the next thing and try and get that one right we but well, you know it, it, go ahead yeah good no you know what I, I was going to say is that I, I don't know if, if people who don't perform realize that in any any performance the the prep the amount of preparation and 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 I'm only sitting in you know let's say I'm with a five piece band well I have a lot of preparation but your preparation must be absolutely mind boggling for something like that uh yeah it, it's um one of my teachers said basically uh it's it's like uh the profile of an iceberg you know you, what you see above the water is 
the performance, but below the water, there's like 90% of the work. And uh, the, the thing with the thing with the, uh, doing a movie like The Wizard of Oz is um, if you do it right, the or the audience forgets that the orchestra is live because it's just a movie. And it, you know, if things are in sync, then yeah, it's a movie. That what the, when they notice is when something's not in sync or. You know, suddenly the cowardly <laughs> yeah. co the cowardly lion comes in, but the orchestra hasn't gotten to that point, so <laughs> yeah. it's not together. And <laughs> that's what that that's what they remember. And so I was I was gratified that people said no. It's just you know I didn't really I, I began to forget there was really a live orchestra there, and uh, you know that's what that's what you're trying to do. But on the other hand. There were tons of kids in the palace for that show uh, a couple of Saturdays ago, and it may be the first time that many of them heard a symphony orchestra live, or saw people playing the violin, or or there were probably a lot of people who hadn't been in the palace. Uh, we have a we have a, an association with Children's Community School. Mm -hmm. We run a we run a music program there called Bravo Waterbury. And so, um, uh, uh, a really great supporter of the arts in in Waterbury, Frank Montero, bought 300 tickets for the whole populace of that school plus their parents. And so, all those kids were there. And I I would bet money that a good 75% of them had never been in the palace and had never really heard a live symphony orchestra. And probably also many of them hadn't seen The Wizard of Oz, uh, particularly on a large screen like, like we had. So it, it, I, I hope, I pray, I, I believe that, that this was a really important event for a lot of those kids. And it could be a life-forming event uh, for some of them. And that's why I became a musician and why I think a lot of my colleagues in the orchestra also became musicians, which is to pass on this incredible thing, this this music that 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 exists in the air. You can't see it, but you can feel it in your heart, and and uh, and it's such a life affirming type of activity. And uh, so, the, the, I think we kind of hit a home run uh with with that performance of the wizard of oz because of the people there because of the timing with COVID, i think as well and because it's spring and it just it just kind of uh all it kind of uh, knocked it out of the park we you know what what captures me always with something like you do it epitomizes the fact that when people work in sync and there aren't, you know, I mean, there are always egos in music. That's some of what drives people sure. to do it. But mainly when you're part of that, you are part of this moving structure and it's all about cooperation. Yeah. And I, no, and, and and I it, love it, that. Yeah. I, well, it's, it's like a thrill, you know, I, when I was, when I was young, I was in marching bands in the Midwest, and it's kind of that way with marching bands or the uh, uh, Radio City, you know, Rockettes, or you know, this kind of synchronicity that you can actually get people to to work together. But even even something like our Bravo program at Children's Community School, I think it it 
it's less about music and it's more about working together to accomplish a shared goal. And that, which, that's what, that is what is amazing. Uh, I'm yeah, going to, we're going to be right back. Needs, you know? Sure. And no, absolutely. <laughs> this is a perfect time to talk about that. We're going to be right back to talk more about that. Uh, Business owners know you have to take control of your cash flow to grow your business. Ion Bank has a full range of cash management tools to help you save time, work more efficiently, and prevent fraud. It's never been quicker or easier to take control of your cash flow so your business can take off. Learn more about Ion Bank's cash management tools at ionbank.com, member FDIC. Welcome back to Concert Conversations. Uh, we are talking to Leif Bialen, uh, who is the director, uh, not only the director, but it, it, for today, we're basically talking about the Waterbury Symphony, and he is the director of that. I, I wanted to talk a little bit about being a director, because one thing I know that you have to be a leader, you have to be a motivator, you have to be a logistics expert. Um, can you talk a little bit about that part of being a director of an, of an orchestra? Sure, sure. Um, it, it's funny because being, being a director of an orchestra is kind of something that you continue to learn about and get better at over a very, very long time. It, it's it's a bit of an old man or old woman's profession uh, because it you have to have a you have to have a sense of uh, psychology of group psychology particularly you have to have a sense of uh, making a choice about what's important to like rehearse or what you can let go by because they'll fix it on their own you have to have a sense of trust in the musicians it's um, it's one of those things that that takes a while to really get a handle on uh and what's interesting is as a young person you just basically want you know if you if you're interested in conducting you just want to conduct and the older you get the less interested you are in conducting and the more you're interested in people huh. and the people and the people that you work with and the more the more you're interested in helping them so uh, at least in my in my own personal experience, uh, I, I went from a, a fairly self-centered person in my twenties to hopefully a less self-centered person now in my in my sixties. And uh, it, it the, the the interesting thing about it is the 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 sort of Harry Potter uh, magic wand kind of aspect of conducting, where you know you're you're, you're providing signals for the orchestra to play together and kind of anticipating what their needs are going to be in the next two or three seconds. Uh, it, it, that's one thing. But then the other thing is just the kind of planning and nurturing, uh, sort of like being the, like a, a sonic gardener. Having, <laughs> you know, that's having, great. Having, having, having like, um, you know, making sure that you're, you're fertilizing over periods of time and thinking about the future and the, the overarching, aspect of, of, of the uh, ensemble uh, and and also what in, in Waterbury for for example uh, what 
what does the community need? What do you think the community needs? And, and how, what informs your decision? I mean, are you doing it in a vacuum because it's what you think the community needs or are you actually listening and, and trying to find out uh, what, what the orchestra should be for that particular community? And in the, in the case of Waterbury Symphony, it's, it's really the Northwest quadrant of the state of Connecticut. Uh, what, if you think if you think of um, of what the city of Waterbury being the lower right end corner of a box which encompasses all of northwestern Connecticut up to Norfolk and over to Lakeville, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's basically that's our service area, and, yeah. and so a, a big service area with with lots of different types of needs that we have to figure out how to uh, how to provide music to all these different communities and and part of that is knowing those communities and there's a lot connecticut like much of new england is you know well this is my town and if you go over the next hill that's another town and i really don't have much to do with them yeah it's like it's like like, uh north and or or west and east of the connecticut river that kind of deal yeah exactly yeah it's it, or it's I, I'm in Litchfield County, and I don't really I'm not really interested in anything else. And, yeah, you know it's it's but but it's even for, for me, it's it, it took me like 20 years to figure out how to drive from A to B. You know, you've got all of these little highways that probably made you know were made as as Indian paths back in the day. Yeah, old still, cow paths. <laughs> yeah, oh, they're still winding around Connecticut, and wow. uh, it's just kind of be, you know becoming aware of all these different communities and different shareholders and uh it, but it's it's been for me anyway an incredibly rich experience and uh um i'm kind of i think i'm kind of a new englander at heart because my my father my father emigrated from norway and and we're all very kind of we we have our own business and we we don't stick our nose in anybody else's, and and uh, and and there's a certain kind of a New England thing that I seem to really respond to and get, and uh, that continues to be true. You know, I, I first started working in Connecticut in New Haven in back in the in the early '80s, so I've been around Connecticut for a long time, and uh, I I continue to get the feeling that there's a certain self-reliance and uh, innate intelligence uh, 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 that that people in Connecticut seem to possess, which I really, I really enjoy being around. Wow. Uh, usually I haven't heard the intelligence part. Uh, <laughs> that's... Well, maybe, maybe you run with a different crowd. Well, yeah, <laughs> maybe it's me, <laughs> but no, you know, no, I'm sure that's not true, Tom. My son is is a musician. Uh, he's a, he actually d- does sound design in California, and he, of course, he lives here. And he said, you know, in California, if you're a New Englander, and somebody says, "Hey, how you doing?" The very first thing you think is, "What do they want from me?" <laughs> it's like right, right. Yeah, no, there is, it is. You know, it, it's not like uh, you know pat yourself on the back or pat somebody else on the back. It, 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 I think there's a certain kind of stoicism that I associate with New Englanders. Oh, ab- just, that's just absolute. Me. You are so yeah. right. Yeah. That is the deal. So I, I wanted to ask you, because I, I, I know people want to know, and it's it sounds so, everything you're saying just sounds so great and interesting. 
uh, what's going to be happening in the future? What, what, what are the plans that you have that people might be interested in uh, that are coming up at the palace? Oh, wow, sure. Um, well, we've been talking about another film, uh, which I don't want to get ahead of my skis, but, but uh, I, I think on, uh, um, as a result of the huge success of Wizard of Oz, there's definitely talk about another collaboration with the palace in a film with live orchestra, for sure. Fantastic. Um, yeah, and, and also there's a project that uh, has community-wide buy-in from the uh, from Waterbury Public Schools and from the the universities, the higher uh, centers of learning, uh, in in a project that we we're calling Fortune, and Fortune it, it is um, is the story of this African American slave who lived in Waterbury at the, the end of the 18th century, in the 1700s, and whose bones were uh, displayed at the Mattituck Museum for a like a century and you know, generations of people saw them, you know, field trips from schools and stuff. Hmm. And, 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 uh, a composer named Isaiah Barnwell, Dr. Isaiah Barnwell wrote a cantata about these bones that we're going to be performing at the palace, uh, at the end of April of 2023 wow. and, and, and featuring, uh, uh, an honors choir from uh, WAMS, uh, Waterbury Arts Magnet School, uh, plus a bunch of alums and uh, soloists, piano soloists. It, it's going to be kind of a, a tribute to to Waterbury and, and various aspects of of what makes the city so memorable and and important. So that's that's our next really big project with the palace and that's going to be at the i think it's the last saturday in april of 2023 but we're also working with um, the the institutions uh like the waterbury public schools post uh, university uh Nargatuck valley the uh, uh, university of connecticut uh waterbury extension in creating um educational modules associated with the whole story of of fortune from you know the the, the uh, aspects of history and of philosophy and even science you know that trying to come up with the the forensic uh, tools to figure out what happened to fortune how how he lived and died and uh, it, so it's a really exciting uh, collaboration that uh, I think all of the stakeholders are really uh, really energized about. <laughs> That sounds tremendous, actually. Boy, that yeah, is, that no, is well, a... if you think about if you think about like Wham's has been around now for like eighteen years, and Mariana Vagnini has been uh, the choral uh, conductor at Wham's, I think, for all of those eighteen years. So, the this the choir, for example, this is going to be the 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 premiere of the this Wham's Honor Choir, which will include all the students who are at Wham's currently. But also, alumni for over those 18 years uh, are going to come back and sing, plus, uh, plus oh. other mm -hmm. singers from other high schools in the Waterbury public school system. So we're, it's going to be like a 100-voice choir that's a mixture of students and adults. In fact, there, we may very well have uh, parents and their children singing in the same choir. Uh, which is a, a, an awesomely cool thing, and uh, I'm, I'm yeah. so looking forward to that. That's 
That is fantastic. You know what? Uh, I expect some free tickets. So. Uh, oh, okay. You know. Well, we can... You know, you're talking to the right guy. We can. Make I, that's what that's what I thought. I, <laughs> you know, I don't do this for nothing. You know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I want to thank you so much, Leith. This is this has really been fantastic. You know, um, what I would love to do is to have you back on this show prior to your next event, so that we can let people know and kind of maybe build up their. Uh, their anxiousness for this, uh, these events, because these are, these are great. And thank you so much for spending uh, your time with us. I love the idea that you're so open to not just your thoughts, but how you can engage with the audience. That is, that is really nice. Everybody, thank you so much for spending your time with Concert Conversations brought to you by Ion Bank and, the, of course, the beautiful Palace Theater in Waterbury. Leaf, thanks so much, and I'm sure we'll be talking again. I look forward to it, Tom. Thanks so much. Thank you.